Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spiritual Insights. I'd like to extend a warm, very warm welcome to everyone listening in the United States and around the world. We thank you for the privilege of your time, your interest, and your trust. I am joined today, of course, by Robert Rosenthal, MD, to teach A Course in Miracles. And today, if you'd like to get your book out, if you have one, turn to Chapter 17, and we're, we're going to start with a couple of those sections in there. Uh, Bob will join us in a moment, but I just want to take another uh, opportunity to thank everyone for these glowing testimonials I've been receiving. It brings tears to all of our eyes, and I just encourage you to keep keep working on what you need to work on, whether it's spirituality or metaphysical pursuits. Um, we're here to help, and I love reading the words, and I love the reaction to the meditation. Unbelievable, not unbelievable, but amazing experiences are being shared with me, and I'm very happy for that. Um, I also, for all of you who signed up for the newsletter, I have not sent too many out at all. Um, I do try to be respectful of everybody's time, and I don't want to put a lot of stuff in your inbox. But a newsletter will be coming out soon, and I will be sharing some exciting news. There will be some changes to the format of the show, enhancements, and it's going to be pretty exciting, and things are really revving up. So I'm excited about that. Um, Well, Join me in welcoming Dr. Bob back to the show. Hi, Dr. Bob. How are you? Hi, Char. I'm good. Uh, busy, 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 crazy, crazy. Uh, we missed last month because uh, I'm in the process of uh, selling my house here and preparing for a move to the West Coast. But, um, mm. you know, the ultimate lesson is it's all ultimately in spirit's hands. And if you don't believe that, try selling your house and you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Especially during a Mercury retrograde. Yeah, and in a Chinese year, the fire monkey, who's like a prankster, so uh, <laughs> oh. aren't we lucky? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I I, I feel you. Um, yeah. Okay, anything to tell anybody, tell everybody before we start? Um, Probably not this month. I think we will be uh, doing another show in June, however. I think that will work, and then we'll take our usual break over the summer, mm-hmm. and... Um, when we reconvene in September, I should be living on the West Coast and working for the Foundation for Inner Peace. Um, okay. So big changes coming up in my life. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's exciting. Okay. Um, well, this, this topic is pretty huge, so we're just going to do the best we can for the time that we have, ladies and gentlemen, and build a good framework so whatever uh, comes out of us, we'll, whatever we're guided to say, I'm sure it will be uh, – 
Very interesting. So where we're going to start is in, in Chapter 17 and turn to Section seven, uh, 6, I'm sorry, Section 6, Setting the Goal. And what Dr. Bob and I are going to do is we're going to trade, um, we're going to take turns and read a paragraph, break it down, and get through that section. And then we're going to touch on a couple of other sections to um, fortify what we're saying in this section. But we wanted to start here. Okay, Dr. Bob, you want me to take the first yeah. paragraph? Um, yeah, I just want to say that we pulled a little bit of a bait and switch on all of you because on my uh, Facebook pages, I said we were going to be talking about uh, Shadows of the Past, which is Section 3. But it's funny. I looked it over, and it just didn't feel right. And then I got an email from Char, and she was going in the exact same direction. Uh, and this just felt more right. So I'm assuming that um, that in terms of our listeners and ourselves, uh, this is what we need to be focusing on today. So with that in mind, uh, yeah, let me read the first paragraph. So okay. this is Section 6 of Chapter 17 of the text. Um, if you have uh, the combined foundation of uh, Peace version, it's page 365. The practical application of the Holy Spirit's purpose is extremely simple, but it is unequivocal. In fact, in order to be simple, it must be unequivocal. The simple is merely what is easily understood, and for this it is apparent that it must be clear. The setting of the Holy Spirit's goal is general. Now he will work with you to make it specific, for application is specific. There are certain very specific guidelines he provides for any situation, but remember that you do not yet realize their universal application. Therefore, it is essential at this point to use them in each situation separately until you can more safely look beyond each situation in an understanding far broader than you now possess. Mm -mm -mm. So what, what's being teed up here is that, um, that, that the Holy Spirit is you know, the mechanism of the atonement, the correction for the illusion, illusionary dream of separating from God that we thought we did and that gave rise to the ego mind. So there's that big picture. Um, Holy Spirit corrects everything and anything. And in fact, it's already been corrected because the Holy Spirit stands at the end of time um, where all of this world has already been undone. But for all of us still here within the world of linear time and separate bodies and, you know, suffering and change, all that good stuff, um, for us, we have to apply this specifically because, quite honestly, we're just not far enough along yet to um, apply it in a general way. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the uh, forgiveness is the same way. We have to start with forgiving specific grievances against specific people before we begin to get to that place where we recognize that all grievances are really one and the same. Um, you know, we're not recognizing God's son for who he is. We're seeing a personality, an ego, a body instead of that. Um, when we do this enough, though, and I think this is, you know, where the practice becomes so important, when we practice applying specifically and do it over and over and over again, um, in every situation where we become aware of, of some level of discomfort or um, not being at peace, eventually it starts to generalize. And at that point, we actually are, you know, fulfilling the Holy Spirit's uh, agenda of atonement. Um, Shar, thoughts? Yeah. Um, what I wanted to do 
is look up unequivocal. So in the dictionary we have not equivocal, not ambiguous, plain and clear. So if, if anybody uh, had a hard time understanding that sentence, um, unequivocal means to have it be apparent. And it's saying that the simple is merely what is easily understood. So that's what's apparent. So I wanted to clear that up for myself and everybody else. And... Yeah, the specifics. What I like is is the way it goes into. Um, it's kind of like seeing the forest when, when we're in a situation or we have something in our minds that plagues us. Uh, it's kind of like seeing the forest for the trees. We're so enmeshed in the details and the emotions and the thoughts surrounding the event or the situation that we can't step back and get that broader picture and see it for what it truly is and get the truth out of the situation. We. We're, we're stuck in that reactive mode. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, you know, we can only apply it to specifics for now because we live in a world of specifics. Um, I think this same issue was also addressed in Lesson 79 and Lesson 80. Um, mm -hmm. Let me recognize the problem so it can be solved, and let me recognize my problems have been solved. Lesson 79 says there really is only one problem. It's the problem of the separation. It's the problem of misidentifying our brothers as if they were not us. And there's one solution to the problem, the Holy Spirit, the atonement. Um, all you have to do is recognize that and accept it for yourself. Um, you know, as, as they say, as, as the Course says, the sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept atonement for himself. So mm -hmm. we do that at the abstract level, but then, you know, we get in our car and get on the road and, you know, see other people or we go to our jobs and uh, someone's doing something we don't like or we find out that someone said something mean about us uh, or our children aren't, you know, uh, aren't listening. And so in each of these specific applications, we then need to practice the Holy Spirit's general goal. And that's what this section is going to help us. Yes. Now we get into the specifics with paragraph two. Are we ready? All set. Okay. In any situation, let me start again. In any situation in which you are uncertain, the first thing to consider very simply is, quote, what do I want to come of this? What is it for? End quote. The clarification of the goal belongs at the beginning, for it is this which will determine the outcome. In the ego's procedure, this is reversed. The situation becomes the determiner of the outcome, which can be anything. The reason for this dis disorganized approach is evident. The ego does not know what it wants to come of the situation. It is aware of what it does not want, but only that. It has no positive goal at all. So what it's saying is this is what you do in any given situation. It's laid out very plainly that you must ask the question and then the Holy Spirit will come in to bring that truth to your mind and say, what do I want to come of this? And of course, there can be a variety of answers to that. We'll get into that in a second. And then what is it for? What it's asking, what is this for is what is its purpose? What is it? Why is it presenting now? And what is it trying to teach me? So in any given situation, as the world is a reflection of our consciousness, then something has arisen so that you can acknowledge it and grow from it. But this is the question that we have to ask in order to get that answer. What we normally do is ask, why is this happening? And that's a question God can't answer because mm -hmm. when we ask, why is this happening to me, 
or why is this happening again? What we're really asking, the energy of that statement is that we're asking, what did I do to deserve this? And the answer is you did nothing to deserve this. This world is not about deserving and it's not about fairness because otherwise bad things wouldn't happen to good people and good things wouldn't happen to bad people as we determine through our egos and compare ourselves to them. But we've all seen it, how that seems to not go in a straight line. But so we don't experience things because we deserve it or because we're bad people, no matter how we feel about ourselves. We experience things to help stretch, grow, and reach the atonement and reach that ultimate forgiveness and recognize the world for what it truly is. What it's saying that the clarification of the goal belongs at the beginning for this is which will de- what will determine the outcome. Now, out- outcomes, like it says, can be anything. But the outcome is determined by the energy at the beginning. So if your energy is fear, despair, anything that goes along those headlines, then that's going to affect the outcome. When we switch to a place of peace in the beginning and say, what is this for? And we get a sense, whether it's conscious words in our mind, but we get a sense of what the ultimate goal is, which should be peace, then that's going to affect the journey until it gets to that outcome. Does that make sense? You want to add to that, Bob? Yeah, I've got a number of uh, things to say on, on, on this one. Um, this this paragraph reminds me of the section that starts off Chapter 30 of the text called Rules for Decision, which basically says when you get up in the morning, decide what you want in the day. In other words, before things start to happen, decide what it's for. How do you want to enter this day? Um, what is your goal? Uh, I also address this in From Plagues to Miracles uh, under the section on uh, intention. Um, I think it was uh, Crossing the Red Sea. It's funny. It's been long enough that I don't even remember myself where it was. Um, But talking about when you want something, if you really analyze it down, most of the things we think we want really distill down to, I want peace. I want love one or the other, and and, and they're really both the same. So what this section is saying is that if you sort of jump in in the middle and aren't clear about your intention, then you already are at the receiving end, the effect end of uh, the ego mind, and there is very little chance that you're going to get to peace Unless somewhere in that process you're suffering enough that you go, wait a minute, I don't like this. I could see this differently. Um, I would, I, and, and at that point, you reset and you're choosing peace. This is saying, you know, why wait for that to come up um, when you can establish what you want right at the outset? Now, this phrase, what is it for? It's really important. Um, the text talks about this in at least four other places that I'm aware of, and there may even be more. Um, and, and I think some of those other places help, under, you know, help make sense of what it's saying here. So, for example, in um, Chapter 24, Section 7, Paragraph 6, it says, The test of everything on earth is simply this. What is it for? Exact same thing we just read. The answer makes it what it is for you. It has no meaning of itself, yet you can give reality to it according to the purpose that you serve. So by deciding what it's for ahead of time, we actually, I was going to use the word create, only God creates. We make it what it is for us. If you go into an interaction already believing that 
you know, that it's going to be difficult, that it's going to be conflictual, that, 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 that there's going to be problems and you better plan your defense, then guess what? That's exactly what it's going to be. If you go into a situation determined that above all else you want to see, above all else you want to see it differently, um, that you could see peace instead of this, that you're not the victim of the world you see, that you invented the world you see, um, and obviously I'm citing a number of lessons here, then that is what you are going to get. And each one will validate a very different sense of self. So if we don't choose peace, then we're validating the ego and we're going to be doing defensiveness and we're going to be planning. We're definitely going to be using judgment because we have to figure out what's happening and why it's happening. And based on our past experience or what we read somewhere or what our friend told us, um, we're going to try to figure out how to best respond to it in order to get what we want. Uh, and we're basically going around in circles. We're not using Holy Spirit, God's plan for atonement. On the other hand, if we decide, I want peace, um, you know, there is no peace but the peace of God. This is my goal. Now we've cleared the decks and we're actually stepping aside and realizing we don't know how this is supposed to proceed. I, I think one of the biggest obstacles for students of the Course, at least it was for me for many, many, many years, is this idea that that we have to give up executive functioning. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you don't drive cars or you don't use zip codes on your uh, letters anymore. I mean, there are a lot of ways that, yes, we have to use the ego's executive functioning. But it means we let go of the idea that we know what's best for us, for other people, for our kids. We know how the country should be run. We know how to make the world a better place. Um, it lets go of the notion that we know what will make us happy. Because the Course is telling us nothing's going to make you happy except to remember God, except to remember your true self and the path there, which is the path of forgiveness. So um, when we get back to what is it for and set our goal appropriately, we are back to Lesson 79, um, you know, let me recognize the problem so it can be solved. We are recognizing the one problem. The problem of separation, which is why we are not at peace. And in our intention, we've already decided upon the answer. It, it kind of harkens back to um, one of the uh, brilliant things that Ken Wapnick used to talk about, which is that, in a way, the only power left to us as children of God lost in this delusion of, uh, of, of the ego's insanity the only power left to us is the power of decision. We can decide, are we running the show, or do we recognize we're pretty insane and that if we try to run the show, it's not going to run terribly well, and we know that because we've tried to do it over and over for years, and therefore we make a different decision. We use the power of decision to choose the plan of atonement. We step back and let him lead the way, Lesson 155. We use God, um, Holy Spirit. So in a sense, what this is saying is before any interaction, the specific application of the Holy Spirit's plan is to decide right up front what your purpose is. And your only purpose really, you know, is to, um, to choose peace, to see peace, to see peace in your brother, um, to love your brother 
all really just different words for the same thing. Okay, mm. I went on there for a while, but um, That's okay. I hope I was clear. <laughs> well done. Mm-hmm. That was great. Okay, uh, your turn. You want to take paragraph three? Yeah, paragraph three. Um, oh, you know what? I'm on the wrong page. Hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yes, so without a clear-cut positive goal set at the outset, the situation just seems to happen and makes no sense until it has already happened. Then you look back at it and try to piece together what it must have meant, and you will be wrong. Not only is your judgment in the past, but you have no idea what should happen. No goal was set with which to bring the means in line. And now the only judgment left to make is whether or not the ego likes it. Is it acceptable or does it call for vengeance? The absence of a criterion for outcome set in advance makes understanding doubtful and evaluation impossible. I love Interesting. That. Yeah. I mean, the one line I have underlined in this paragraph is you have no idea what should happen, which goes right back to what I was just saying. We don't know the big plan. We don't know what will make us happy. We certainly don't know what will make anyone else happy. Um, it reminds me of the section in the manual for teachers about judgment, that if we think we know how to judge, you know, that to, that to judge accurately, we would have to know everything that led up to any decision and all of the potential consequences going forward. And no human mind is in a position to do that. You have no idea what should happen. So unless we, you know, set the course at the beginning, um, no pun intended, uh, you know, with a clear-cut positive goal set at the outset, then we're kind of, you know, at the whim of ego. And and the attempt to make sense of it after it happens, after the fact, never works. Because after it's happened, it's already in the past, and the past isn't real. The ego, of course, loves the past. The ego lives in the past. I mean, the Course tells us that the past is the only time that the ego is actually content with because mm. it can't be changed uh, and, you know, the ego can venerate it. Um, but, yeah, once it's in the past, we can't decide to do it differently. Um, you know, we can only start making up stories about it and, you know, either, as this paragraph is saying, you know, either the ego likes the story and gives it its blessing, but it's still a story that blocks us from the truth, or the ego doesn't like its story and starts going out, you know, packing a weapon, uh, trying to go after all those people who, uh, you know, who, who messed around with us uh, and made us part of this bad story. Um, decide ahead of time. Really good advice. And the reason why I strongly advocate, and I do practice this myself, Every morning, the moment you get up, at least turn your thoughts to spirit, you know, as fast as possible. And if you can sit down and, and, and do a lesson or flip open the text and read a couple paragraphs of the course, all the better. You mm. are setting your intention for the day. Um, you are already, by that process, steering that day in the direction of peace. Okay. Char, thoughts, feelings? Nice. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'd like to point out something um, where the, the line where it says, and now the only judgment left to make is whether or not the ego likes it. The ego is only going to like it if you come out looking great, if you save face, if you win, if you triumph over another, if you challenge someone that you feel is 
separate from you and beat them and then you get this sick satisfaction, that's of the ego. But where it says, is it acceptable or does it call for vengeance? When we set the goal in the beginning of a situation, and even if we're in the middle of it, just, just set the goal that you want to see it for what it truly is, see it through the eyes of God, feel the peace that is always there, that puts you in a state of acceptance right there. So what, what scares us is how it's going to take shape, what form it's going to take, what form it's going to come in. Is it dreadful? Is it going to leave me in destitution? You know, whatever scenario you can call in your mind. When, when we set that goal in the beginning, that puts us in a state of acceptance. That allows us to allow the flow of what needs to happen for all involved. And that's what Dr. Bob was talking about. We can't possibly know a thousand years behind us and a thousand years ahead what the purpose of the experience is. So um, when we do this, we, we go into acceptance, and as it takes shape, we're not afraid of it. We're just watching it from, a, from the vantage point of the observer with peace and acceptance, and that's certainly going to be a lot less painful than trying to struggle with it and swimming upstream. Make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Good stuff. Shall we read on? Yes, let's read on. Paragraph four. You're up. The value of deciding in advance what you want to happen is simply that you will perceive the situation as a means to make it happen. You will therefore make every effort to overlook what interferes with the accomplishment of your objective and concentrate on everything that helps you meet it. It is quite noticeable that this approach has brought you closer to the Holy Spirit sorting out of truth and falsity. The true becomes what can be used to meet the goal. The false becomes the useless from this point of view. The situation now has meaning, but only because the goal has made it meaningful. Do you want to take that first, Dr. Bob? Um, no, you can go ahead. I, I was okay. just looking at the next paragraph, which actually looks like it sort of ties in and thinking okay. maybe I should read that one and then we can discuss both together. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. The goal of truth has further practical advantages. If the situation is used for truth and sanity, its outcome must be peace. And this is quite apart from what the outcome is. If peace is the condition of truth and sanity and cannot be without them, where peace is, they must be. Truth comes of itself. If you experience peace, it is because the truth has come to you and you will see the outcome truly, for deception cannot prevail against you. You will recognize the outcome because you are at peace. Here again, you see the opposite of the ego's way of looking, for the ego believes the situation brings the experience. The Holy Spirit knows that the situation is as the goal determines it and is experienced according to the goal. Okay, so, mm. you know, now we've, we've sort of got this whole package here. Um, mm. Sounds very confusing. Uh, I think if someone were reading this for the first time, they'd be saying, what is this saying? Um, the Holy Spirit knows that the situation is as the goal determines it. Um, you know, that if we decide ahead of time, we see things through the lens of our decision, um, and we, we can begin to sort out what is true from what is false. Uh, use, you know, moving closer to the Holy Spirit. What we see here is how A Course in Miracles is a complete reversal of the thought system 
that we grew up with and have been taught to use. We all believe that, you know, stuff just happens. You can't control um, what goes on. You can react to it and do the best you can. Um, but the ego believes the situation brings the experience. You know, we have our feelings from what happened. We, we go on. A, the cor- a Course in Miracles turns that upside down. Um, it, it reminds me of the section, um, the responsibility for sight, that says I am responsible for what I see, and everything that comes to me I have chosen. You know, it, it, it's not just a um, sort of a happy uh, New Age manifestation thing, great, I get to create all the toys I love. It, it's saying that, no, you, you've created all of this mess, uh, you've made it, but therefore the good news is you also have the the, the opportunity to reverse it. If you cr- if you made it, you can clean up your own mess. And it's saying the way to clean up the mess is to recognize that the thinking of the world is completely upside down. It's completely insane. The world would tell you it's nonsense to decide ahead of time what your goal is and focus only on that goal and see everything through the through the eyes of the Holy Spirit in that goal. And if your goal is peace, to see everything through the eyes of peace. But let's think about this for just a second, just a minute. Let's say um, you're going in for a job interview, and you've decided ahead of time that your primary goal is not to get the job or not to get the job, is not to get the job or not get the job, but to be at peace. That the outcome you want is for you to be at peace and ideally your brother who's also doing the job interview to be at peace. And you go in with that intention. Now, it really doesn't matter what happens. When they ask you a tricky curveball question, you're not thinking, hmm, gosh, how should I answer that? What's the best way to answer it to get the job? What will they think if I answer it wrong? You're, you're coming at it from a perspective of peace, and odds are Holy Spirit Jesus, they're going to guide your words. They're going to put thoughts into your head. um, And you're going to say things that will bring about peace. You may or may not get the job. That's almost irrelevant because if you don't get the job, then the reason was because that job wasn't going to bring you peace in the first place. But you may not have known that. Maybe there's another job that's going to show up in the, you know, uh, in, on the Internet two days from now um, that's much better suited for you. On the other hand, if you have decided that you want peace, then your encounter in that interview can still be a holy encounter because that's what you are focusing on. That's what you are bringing in. You become a conduit for miracles, and odds are, you leave that one-on-one relationship with a sense of peace, and you know what? So does the person who is talking to you. Maybe they don't notice it right in the moment, uh, but, but somewhere down the line they do. And this is how we become miracle workers. Uh, so, yes, uh, what, what, what I see these two paragraphs as saying is that if we decide in advance, we get out of the way and we become you know, we become Jesus's co-workers. Uh, you know, the place, uh, one of my favorite lines in the course, you know, one of my favorite thousand lines uh, yeah. is is where, uh, you know, Jesus says, I, 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 I call not from, you know, I don't want martyrs, I want teachers. How do we become a teacher? By adopting the same goal uh, as, as Jesus or the Holy Spirit. 
Um, when we when we're all in alignment, we're all teaching the same thing. Then there's no resistance to that truth coming through, uh, and 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 we become miracle workers in in the exact same way. Um, so you know, if peace is the condition of truth and sanity, and cannot be without them, where peace is, they must be. You know, so if you experience peace, it's because the truth has come to you, and you will see the outcome truly. Um, you know. In other words, we're, there, there was a line I was looking for here um, that that essentially is, oh, its outcome must be, you know, its outcome must be peace, and this is quite apart from what the outcome is. In other words, whatever happens in the world of form, in the world of illusion, really is of no importance. What is is of importance is for us to decide that we choose peace. Uh, is that, uh-huh. Yeah. That's great. I really like your uh, job interview analogy with the goal being to job no matter what. And and it speaks to the desperation of the ego. And when we relinquish the ego and we ask for peace, then it doesn't matter if we get that particular job. And if we do what you said, you know, and and ask, you know, so what, what do I really want to come of this? If the answer is peace and you ask, what is it for? Then clearly your spiritual vision will be much sharper because that's where you placed yourself. If not, if it's if I don't get this job, what am I going to do? If it's desperation and fear, then you're going to look at look at it through the physical eyes and your ego is going to interpret it. And it's going to interpret it as a failure if you don't get the job or a triumph if you do. And like we're saying, you don't know if that particular job is the absolute best one for you. There might be something better. But Asking what it's for and then going through the experience from the observer's point of view, I, I want to bring up, you'll, you'll find out what it's, what it's for because you're open to that information. If, you, if you're not open to the answer to that question, you're not going to see it. You're not going to recognize it. But that puts us in a, in a place where we can easily recognize the purpose behind the circumstance. So you know how when we read a book and – you read this entire book, and then you get to the end, and there's one sentence in the entire book that really speaks to you. Then that was the reason you had to read that book. It wasn't for all the other paragraphs. It was for that one statement because it changed your mind about something. So what if in that interview they do throw you that curveball question, and you learn something about yourself? You learn that, you know what, you, don't, you really don't like this field. You just, you're just pursuing a a job in it because that's what you know or that's what you're good at. But what you really want is to learn something new or follow a passion. If if that one moment occurs mm. and a miracle has occurred because you learned something about yourself that you were withholding and withholding from your own sight and you were denying it. And so there are certain things about us, aspects of us, talents that we have, passions that we have, and we abandon them, we set them aside, we ignore them. In, all in the interest of being responsible. We have we can come up with a million reasons why we deny an aspect of ourselves. But in that one moment, if that moment of clarity comes, that miracle, then that's what it's for. And you're good. That's all I can add to that. Yeah, I think it's it's so key to remember that when we decide with God, um, you know, we're led that that whatever situation we find ourselves in there's a purpose to it so you know to continue this this job interview thing which just you know came into my head and I'm assuming that somewhere uh, out there uh if not at this moment but in the future someone will be listening to this looking for a job um 
but but to use that to to to, to take that even further you know, you might be in the job interview, and by the end, you might be very clear that it's not a job you need, um, and the person who's interviewing you happens to mention something about their child, and you have an answer that they didn't know. Gee, they're looking for a pediatrician, they're new in town, and you happen to know someone who's perfect for them. Uh, in other words, we don't know why we're placed where we're placed. And if we can trust that, that, that there is a reason and that we are conduits for miracles. We are miracle mm. workers, but that we don't always know what the miracle is or where it's going, then, um, then we're doing our job. Uh, it, it, it takes me to the line in the manual for teachers uh, in, in, in section, uh, f uh, section four, what are the characteristics of God's teachers in the section on trust, that, again, you know, one of the top thousand where it says, it takes great learning to understand that all things, events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. All things, events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. It is only to the extent to which they are helpful that any degree of reality should be accorded them in this world of illusion. The word value can apply to nothing else. In other words, when we realize that as we go through this world of form, um, I, I, I was giving a little talk the other day, and, and what came into my head is, you know, we're sort of like those um, Roomba vacuum cleaners. We just bounce around, only we're not really bouncing. We're led by spirit. And wherever we find ourselves, we get to, you know, suck up some dirt, clean it up, give it to Holy Spirit, transform it so that truth can shine through. Take a grievance and, um, and allow it to transform into love. I mean, this was the deep inner meaning of the alchemist's philosopher's stone about turning lead into gold. We're all alchemists. We go around, and wherever we see the lead of attack, the lead of grievances, and by the way, it's not out there in the world. It's always in us. Mm -hmm. Wherever we find it in the world, we can go, oh, it's in me, and now I get the opportunity to correct it. This is, what, this is the only way anything in the world has any value. So, you know, back to setting the goal, when we set the goal ahead of time, what we're saying is, yeah, I'm going to be that, that vacuum cleaner for God. You know, I, I'm going to clean up whatever situation I find myself in, not because I'm better than the people around me, not because, um, you know, God has singled me out for some special purpose, but just because... You know, that's what miracle workers do. And when we follow the plan of atonement, we're going to be led and guided wherever we're supposed to be. And when we um, fulfill our function, guess what? Guess how we feel? We feel peaceful. We feel mm. happy. We feel joyous. You know, there's just, there's just a sense of, wow, it's all really working. And it's not working because of me. It's working because I got out of the way and allowed it to happen. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I have two things to add. Uh, one is that, you know, when we make connections with others, like your pediatrician uh, scenario, we connect with people at what I call a spiritual intersection. There's purpose to that. There's purpose to every alliance, no matter how brief. So maybe we were called to respond to this ad and go on this job interview because that person needed that type of assistance. And then we're drawn to other people because we need the assistance. And, it's, and this is a constant swirling thing. So as we move and connect with different people, it all leads to the next thing. If we look behind us, 
and see how, oh, well, I met that person, and then this opportunity came. You can, you can connect the dots. But for you, Dr. Bob, I just want to reassure you that for all the other segments on the show with the psychics and the energetic healers, yeah. 90%, 90% of the calls have to do with finding a job or, or better work. Really? Yeah. Holy wow. I know you don't get a chance to tune in, but 90% of the callers are calling about work, career, and, and, and you know, other topics. But I would, I would say a good 85 to 90% of it is all about work. And I think this is going to be very, very helpful to everybody. Michels, thank you, Shar. Oh, you're welcome. Well, you know, in a previous segment, I think it was last, it was with Joni last week. No, the last month, I don't know. I so much has happened since then. Uh, a gentleman called in, and he had a hostile work environment, and I could feel it—the uh, undermining, the sabotage, and all that stuff. So Joni went in and, and tapped into some really good past life information, which is useful. But like it says in the manual for teachers, ultimately reincarnation, you know, isn't or belief in it isn't really necessary because we're supposed to be in a present. But it's always really good stuff. But I went in and explained to him, for, as the Course teaches, how his coworkers compare themselves to him because he's, he shines such a bright light. He's smart, funny, talented. He's, he's got a lot going on. So there's a lot of jealousy around him. And then when they feel the guilt of that because of the separation, then they attack what they perceive to be the source of that guilt. And his whole heart opened up, and he really got it. He really understood that it's not him. He doesn't have to take it personally, that this is the process that's taking place. So it's good stuff. And so this all ties in, so I just wanted to reassure you on that. Yeah, that's um, really lovely. Yeah. I mean, and it also occurred to me that, you know, the whole genesis of A Course in Miracles came out of a crappy work situation. I mean, Bill Thetford and Helen <gasps> right. Shuckman were not happy at Columbia University. Um, You know, it was a competitive, angry, backbiting, backstabbing environment. And, you know, and Bill said, there must be a better way. And Helen said, I'll help you find it. So, so, yeah, to your point, clearly um, work is a place where, where there are a lot of lessons for all of us. I call it a karmic battleground, but there are ways to fix it. Actually, I have a new technique for clearing out the heart center to help people uh, relinquish the negative emotions that they're harboring that prevent them from moving forward because the heart processes money energy. I'll make an announcement about that in my newsletter, folks. I don't want to go into it here. What I'd like to do is see if our listeners here have a question at this point, and I'm going to go to uh, Deep. And he's calling from uh, southern England, Dr. Bob. Hmm. Wow. Hi, Deep. Do you have, how do you feel? Do you have a question? bringing to mind that you'd like to ask? Uh, yes, thanks for taking my call. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the show, as I expected, is, is very profound. It is actually more profound than I thought it would be. Um, yeah, I got most of it. Um, now, my question was, um, I understand that uh, our ultimate purpose is to experience and find peace, love, and joy within ourselves and uh, also in the world. But how do we go about... Um, finding what the true purpose of our life is, of of our soul is. Okay, so um, do you want me to take this, Shar, or you want to take Oh, yeah, go right ahead. You're my guest. Be my guest. It's an outstanding (laughs) question, and um, it, it, it plays off of the idea in A Course in Miracles that, you know, the the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to reinterpret everything in our world of separation so that it points us back to oneness and God. 
so we believe in specialness. We believe we're different. We believe that, you know, there is some path that we are supposed to take. Uh, and what A Course in Miracles tells us is that the Holy Spirit reinterprets this and says, yeah, you don't have to give up specialness except in terms of exclusivity. You are not special in the sense of being better than anyone else. You are not special in the sense of being worse than anyone else. I certainly work with a lot of people who think they're special because, you know, they're they're uniquely cursed and suffer worse than anybody else. What what the course tells us is that the Holy Spirit reinterprets specialness such that each of us does indeed have a special function to play in the world. Uh, I think of this as, you know, each of us has certain relationships that only we have the capacity to heal um, because we're in them. You know, there are certain people that obviously I can't reach out to, they're not listening to the show, but that, you know, perhaps you deep will be or, or other people who are tuning in. So how do we find this? The trick is the ego wants to be able to figure it out um, put it on a, you know, in, in a little card, laminate it, carry it around, show it to other people. See, here's my function. You know, I, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Uh, whereas I, I think that apropos of this section we're reading, we don't need to exactly know, you know, in, in kind of a, a story or narrative way what it is that our life purpose is. I think what we do need to know is that our life purpose is to find peace, to find happiness, to remember who we are, to awaken um, to our true self, and to do that by seeing the same true self in other people. I mean, the Course is very clear, and I think as a spiritual system, perhaps unique even in saying, you know, you can only awaken by seeing that same truth in your brother. You can't go off to the mountaintop and meditate for 30 years so if we are pursuing our goal of peace our goal of um, unblocking our you know removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence which is your natural inheritance as it says in the introduction then you actually are fulfilling your soul purpose you are um, fulfilling your special function and maybe that will take a certain form uh, where it's kind of like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, um, I'm going to drive the ice cream truck and serve ice cream to these kids and make them happy. Um, but usually, whatever the form looks like is is far less important than 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 the use of that form to carry through the um, the, the the purpose of the Holy Spirit's plan of atonement. So it's almost like the Holy Spirit um, is willing to indulge us and say, great, I get to be a psychiatrist and Char gets to be a radio show host and someone else is an auto mechanic uh, and, you know, someone else is a hot air balloonist and someone else is a screenwriter like I used to want to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But none of these is real. They're all just forms that you know that that we put on they're they're like the clothes we wear you know which set of clothes is really you you know is it that suit and tie or is it the shorts and t-shirt well they're they're all you depending on the circumstances and what's called for and none of them are you because clothing does not make the man so to speak so i i think that if we embody the inner sense of 
my goal is to accept atonement for myself. And, you know, if I'm not clear in a situation what's supposed to happen, to ask and to recognize where I get triggered into anger or fear um, or guilt or shame. And when I do, to, you know, take that to the Holy Spirit, then we are following our purpose. Does that make sense? Does that help? Yes, it, it certainly does. So um, to play back what I understood uh, from from uh, what you just said, it is um, it is not the path we take uh, that is important or that matters, but um, that matters as much as the end state, uh, which is a state of peacefulness, of joy, and of love. Is that yes, and and that? realizing that when we you know, step back and let him lead the way, Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, that we will be led on to that path that brings us the greatest joy and the greatest fulfillment and does that because we are serving others in the plan of, of the atonement. So, you know, we'll, we'll be led. Um, and sometimes it becomes very clear what that path is and, you know, you're already on it and you're just, it, you know, it, you're, you're working it further and further. Sometimes there's a hard left turn and suddenly your whole life is thrown into what appears to be turmoil. But when you surface again, it's, it's kind of like, oh yeah, I guess this is what I was supposed to be doing. Um, but there's no rush. You know, we, 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 we can't, we can't propel ourselves through fear because the moment we do, or through um, shame or, you know, uh, desire, because the moment we do, we're back in the arms of the ego. Uh, it really is kind of embracing the oneness and the goal of oneness first, knowing that time is an illusion too, and that we really already have achieved at the highest level what we are going to achieve. Um, you know, the plan has been set, uh, but that we, we let go and let that come through. And that when we do that, the form will, will you know, it'll, it'll, our lives will take the form that best allows us to, um, to learn our lessons and help others learn theirs. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it's about letting go of the driver's seat and letting go yes. of control. Let God or the universe take over. Absolutely. But when, yeah, but when you said um, um, we have already achieved what we seek to achieve, what we want to achieve, how does that? Um, what does that mean? Uh, that that okay. From a Course in Miracles perspective, the whole plan of atonement happened the instant that the Son of God, which is all of us. Um, thought that it was that he she it was separate from God so there's this crazy instant um, you know um, into eternity there crept uh, you know uh, uh, a mad idea that the son of God at which the son of God remembered not to laugh you know that we we thought we could separate ourselves from God and in that same instant the solution was 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 crafted it all was undone and of course it was because Nothing can be separate from God by definition. So what it means is that the whole unfolding of time, all the millions of years, all of what we think of as the entire evolutionary process, uh, you know, of which mankind, uh, humankind is just, you know, that, 
tiny little sliver at the end of it, uh, that, it was, that, that, that it's all already happened in the sense that time itself doesn't exist. Um, you know, the, the course makes very clear uh, that you can't change the endpoint because the endpoint is God. Free will does not mean you get to determine the curriculum. It only means that you get to decide, you know, what you want to take uh, when you want to take it. So in the fullness of time, we are all already there. We are all already one. We have already healed the separation. We have all gotten to the place of enlightenment where we look on our brothers uh, and see not a separate body, not a separate ego or personality, but the shining light of oneness of God, the face of Christ, as the Course calls it, um, in that other person. But, you know, because we are still in illusion, time plays on. Uh, and in fact, the Course says the whole purpose of miracles and the whole purpose of A Course in Miracles is to save time. It's to shorten that process. Uh, you know, through a miracle, through the practice of forgiveness, through allowing, you know, uh, through setting the goal, as, as this section would say, we make it more likely that learning that might take thousands of years along the path of karma can take place in a single instant because our goal was oneness and love, because we remember truth rather than you know, trying it 17 different ways in 17 different lifetimes as the ego would do it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, time has already ended. Uh, because it never was real in the first place, but we're still we're still taking the ride. We still believe it, uh, and therefore we have to play it out in this way. We have to apply the general rules and laws of oneness of the Holy Spirit's teaching to all of the specific situations that we find ourselves in. Yeah. Excellent. I have I have a, a, a suggestion for you, Deep. Um, when you take the word atonement, look at it this way: at one minute. And that kind of helps you get over that hurdle because it's a big topic. Mm -hmm. Sure is. Yeah. At one minute uh, is very helpful to get people's minds to peek over that wall of, of separation and really see it for what it is, how we're all sparks of God and we're all connected. And um, that moment is up, up to us. We have to accept it for ourselves and then we can offer it. Is that helpful, Deep? It's very helpful indeed. Thank you, Shah. Thank you, Dr. Bro. You're very welcome. I'm going to put you on Thank hold. Thank you so much we... for asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm going to put you on hold. We have another caller with a question. Um, we'll handle that question, and then we're going to take the last two paragraphs. And if you'd like, I can check back with you before the show to see if you have another question. Sure. Thank you. Okay. That's the best way I can work it uh, because um, I thought – that people could press one on their keypads and, and take the blue question mark away, but it doesn't work. We tested it before the show. <laughs> so I have to check back. Ah, the world of form. It never I works know, quite like we it's, expect, you know? It's, it's not as efficient <laughs> as I hoped. Well, this is Marissa in Toronto, Canada. Welcome, Marissa. Hi, what Marissa. question would you like to ask, dear? Hi there. Um, I'm really a newbie um, to all this, and I really appreciate um, you guys doing this. Um and, and you have answered so much. I haven't received um, my book yet. But in terms of, of ego or emotions and things, like it's like I go on a ride. I've been on a ride where I, I seem to be connected and aligned and, and things are feeling right. And, 
And then it's just something along the lines, just like how Dr. Bob says, something all of a sudden triggers. Um, You know, seeing my girls, my two toddlers fighting, all of a sudden just brings up something inside me. And I I would say full-blown rage. Um, And this happened to me yesterday, and I literally had to go outside. Like, my body was shaking as if there was, like, I was, was, you know, there was an earthquake earthquake underneath my feet and I had no control over my body and my intellectual adult mind can rationalize and then the emotional child the hurt child and things will come up um, of things in the past where I I, I think well what what's going on here Um, where is this coming from why is why am I getting triggered why is ego so so dominant in certain times where um, other days I can just walk through it and not be attached, and then some days um, it, it it just overtakes my body. It's almost like some some other entity comes into my body, and and it'll be something small that triggers. I'm basically I'm looking to the Course in Miracles in order to to learn and unlearn this overthinking and this this ego and stepping aside and having peace because. Yes, those those triggers they scare me. They scare me in in because it's a place that I don't want to be in, and I know that there are lessons in in my life. But it almost feels like it's something I'm not able to control. Would the Course in Miracles be able to? Well, I'm sure it would be able to help me see this clearly and put ego aside and be able to swallow you know, whatever it is that comes in and not be associated with it? Um, yes, in the long term, absolutely. It, this kind of goes back to that passage that I quoted earlier that says, you know, all things, events, circumstances are, are helpful, but it's only um, to the and that it's only to the extent they're helpful that they're real. So, you know, I, I think other than, you know, the enlightened masters on this planet, and I think there are about three and a half of them, uh, truth be told, all of us experience something along the lines of what you are describing. And I have been, you know, working with the Course in Miracles for over 40 years now, and I'm not even that old. <laughs> and I am still astounded at sometimes the level of fear or those momentary, um, almost like spasms of rage that can come up over the most inconsequential things and over things that my ego judges as very consequential. Oh, my God, how am I going to pay this bill? If I don't pay this bill, then they're going to destroy my credit. And if they destroy my credit, I won't be able to buy a new car. And you know, The ego just goes on and on. My experience as a therapist is that if you take a circumstance such as the one you're describing with the children, and and this is very hard to do in the moment. In the moment, I think the best we can do is to realize, okay, you know, I lost it. I'm completely uh, at, you know, at, at uh, at the receiving end of ego mind, and my goal as best as I can is to reinstate some sense of peace. But when you're able to get a little bit of perspective and distance, a very helpful exercise is kind of to, to ask yourself, okay, you know, I was angry. Why? You know, what, what, what got triggered there? I think that ultimately everything that triggers anger 
is something that we perceive as a threat to survival. So, you know, if your children are fighting and they're being loud, what is, you know, what, what is the message? What is the, you know, if that was a, 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 if we took a picture of that and put it up on Facebook, you know, what's the caption that goes under that? And when you figure that out, then take it even further. Okay, you know, they're, they're out of control. Um, you know, I'm not going to be able to make dinner. I won't be able to feed them. Someone's going to judge me for it. You know, my mother's going to walk in the door. Or even if your mother's deceased, the mother in your head is going to look on it and go, you're a terrible mother. You know, what is the message that you are telling yourself about this scene that leads you to conclude that the only acceptable response is is rage because anger is the emotion of action someone has to do something about this someone has to charge in and take care of it and action is always from the ego a course in miracles says you know i need do nothing i need just have a little bit of willingness to see it differently the solution isn't in action it's not grabbing your kids by the scruff of their neck and throwing them into their rooms it's asking for the help to see the situation differently. Oh, they're having fun. Oh, they're just children. Oh, uh, you know, they're probably getting tired and they're getting wild, you know, whatever it is. So we ask to be able to see it differently. But we're not perfect. And you said, you know, some days, you know, you're just in alignment. Things are clicking. You're, you're flowing. Uh, life is great. And then one of these comes along and you, you doubt everything. So we're all practicing. If you were a musician learning a new piece, or better still, if you're not a very good musician and you're just learning to play the guitar and here's the song, I guarantee you you're going to get it wrong more than you're going to get it right. But as you keep practicing, you get better and you get better and you start to recognize those circumstances that trigger the anger and now you can kind of see it ahead of time. Oh, you know, this is one of those places where I'm going to get mad and now you begin to be able to see it differently before you even have to get to that anger. But we all have to practice. Um and a course in miracles says that is the whole purpose of time. Um you know, the last caller asked, well, how could it already be accomplished? Well, it's already accomplished, but we need time to see that that is so. And the purpose of time is to literally give us time to learn that we are not egos, that we are spirit, that that is our true nature, and that that's true for your toddlers, and that's true for everybody listening and everybody not listening, uh, etc. The worst thing that you can do in a circumstance like that, and this is what the ego is so great at, is piling on. Oh, my God, I thought I was there, and now I just lost it. I behaved reprehensibly. I must be a terrible mother. I must be a horrible human being. Um, yes. You know, I need to do penance. Sit up all I night. To... Yeah. Right? Sit up all night. <laughs> That's the ego sort of, you know, taking that, rubbing it in to be able to forgive ourselves. Now, forgive does not mean condone the bad behavior. Forgive means recognizing that, that you know, we erred, we missed the mark, uh, you know, uh, uh, the true meaning of the word sin, uh, you know, missing the mark. And if you missed the mark or did it poorly, guess what? You're going to get another chance. I guarantee you your toddlers are going to give you another chance. Uh, and when that next chance comes along, you can perhaps, even as it's happening, step outside yourself and go, oh, yeah, here it is, I knew it was coming. 
all right, I'd like to see this differently. Help me, Holy Spirit, or help me, guardian angel, uh, or help me, higher self. You know, the words don't matter. The, the, the asking for help and the recognition implicit in that that we don't know, that we have no idea what should happen in this situation, that's what makes it work. You so know, Dr. Um, sorry, as, you, yeah. as you were talking, and I don't know if it's the energy that I'm getting from you guys or it must be the Holy Spirit because something came up for me while talking to you guys that I totally forgot. And when I was a young child, um, probably around maybe six years old, five or six, which is about my daughter's age right now, um, I witnessed my father um, hit my mom in the mouth and she was bleeding and whatever and I took her out of the house and ran down to my aunt's street and for some reason that's popped up for me and I think that shaking rage was triggered by seeing my daughter manhandle the other child. There you go. Wow. Wow. Yeah. This is, see, this is one of the things that can happen when we turn it over is you get the insight that wasn't there before that helps make sense of it. And, of course, that happened in the past. That happened when you were young enough that there's no way you could understand it, much less, you know, sort of get to the other side of it. But now here you are in a position where I suspect, since you're listening to our show, you're much um, wiser and more interested in growth then your mother had the potential to be at that point in time, you get to do it differently. And the essence of A Course in Miracles, I mean, the very last section of the text is called Choose Once Again. Uh, It's one of the most powerful sections. Uh, Even as I'm talking here, I'm trying to flip through to it because it it just says it far more eloquently than I can. You know, uh, it it says that, you know, trials are but lessons that you failed to learn presented once again so where you made a faulty choice before you now can make a better one and thus escape all pain that what you chose before has brought to you so here's something from the past that brought you tremendous pain that your children have actually in a very blessed way brought up so that you can now see it recognize it make a conscious decision to do it differently and ultimately heal it and as you heal it you're also healing it for your kids. That's quite lovely. And going through the Course of Miracles and stuff, and I, I, I look forward to being a passenger in this ride with you both um, and, and the Course of Miracles. Will this show me how to put things to rest, to put them aside so that they aren't a constant trigger down the line where I will be able to be separate from it? Um, what I can guarantee is that if you do the lessons diligently and read, you will have a shift in perception that will allow you to very much see this differently and respond differently. What that will look like, how it will come to you, and how long it might or might not take, that's like way above my pay grade. Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the commitment, um, you know, again, back to this section, setting the goal. If you make the commitment, if you set the intention, it will happen. And and in a sense, that is the critical stage of the journey. You know, without that first step, nothing else happens, guaranteed. Make that first step, okay, now you are primed. You're in a position to really allow all the rest to unfold. Oh, thank you. 
Oh my goodness! That, yeah, it does. You know, it does. Thank you so much. I was I was going to explain something to you, but you had this memory th- uh, come up, and and so you got the answer. But I'm going to say it anyway, so that the listeners Please. can hear it. But and, and maybe it'll reinforce this whole conversation for you, Marissa. Um, I wanted to point out on an energetic level, um, but now now we know where it comes from. It's from that time when you were six. I want, first thing I wanted to mention to everybody listening is that when we, when we have a situation and we react to that situation, rarely are we reacting to the present. Something from the past is triggered because that's where the ego lives. That's where it's comfortable, and that's what it holds on to and tries to keep you there. So that, that's the first concept I want to make and state. You know, We're reacting to the past in the present with whatever we're observing and witnessing. So what you had was that first initial reaction, Marissa, when your girls were getting rough. Okay, so it it triggered like a primal fear buried in your gut, and so you're filled with rage, and that's all that internalized rage coming to the surface to be released because you put it down there. Then what happened, you were up all night. Now you're having a secondary reaction to the first reaction, in the present. So being up all night and the process of doubting yourself and questioning yourself and, and lamenting that you're in this situation, that there's something huge you need to forgive, that's the secondary reaction to the first reaction. And that's we, we often have that when we don't approve of the way we reacted the first time, and that's that secondary phase. So forgiveness right away is key to avoiding that secondary reaction. Um, but that's all I really wanted to... Um, add for everybody in, in, who wants to understand the reaction, but I think it's beautiful that you remembered, and I was going to suggest that the next time it happens, sit with it, and perhaps a memory will come up, but see how fast it happened for you? Yeah, and I, you know what, honestly, I think I, I, when you guys were talking about, you know, um, being safe, I honestly feel safe. It's like, I, I don't feel nervous or uncomfortable about it, and I think that openness allowed the answer to come or the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit to speak speak to me. I agree. And, you know, this is something so important. And, and, you know, I never understood what really what the role of a mother other than, okay, you know, play with your kids, do whatever. But for me now it's become becoming at one and, and, and spiritually aligned to be an example for my children so that when I'm not here, they have the tools, the spiritual tools and the know-how and not live through through ego and and come from a place of love and and that is so important for me right now, you know. And, and no like doubt, the, your your little girls are going to give you plenty of opportunities to forgive your parents. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure they like, will. Yeah. I'll be calling a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free. No Thank doubt. you so much, y'all. And uh, You're and uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate the question, Marissa, and don't worry, the drone will arrive soon with your copy of the course, and then we'll start it. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Bob, Marissa was one of my first students um, in Salt oh, Spring, okay. and she was only there on vacation. To, you know, she was there for a brief time, and then I had to leave to visit with my mom before she transitioned and, and went to heaven. And when I got back, she was gone, so we haven't seen each other, and, and we miss each other. But oh, cool. I reconnected with her because, and, and, and I was popping into her mind, but Alan alerted me to this fire in Canada, 
And I was like, oh, my. And I, right away, I went, I am the light of the world. I'm doing all my, my thing. And then I was like, well, I have friends in Canada. Wait a minute. Is Marissa okay? And I, and I scrambled to get her phone number, and I called her. And we connected oh. for the first time in a while. And she told me what was going on. I said, you know what? You're ready now. you got to get A Course in Miracles. And she got it right then while I was on the phone. And we're just waiting yes. for Amazon <laughs> to deliver it. Perfect. Oh, excellent perfect. student. Oh. Yes, I am so looking forward to this, and I'm so grateful. Blessings all around. Yeah. Indeed, blessings all okay. around. Well, Marissa, I'm going to put you on hold, and we're going to go through these last two paragraphs. We should be able to do Good. this Good, I do want to finish this, yes. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. All right, so now we're going moving on to faith and buttoning up yes. this nice little section. I thought this uh, segment was excellent, and I guess it's my turn. Yes. But I think... I think, again, um, I looked at these two paragraphs. I think we can handle this number six singularly and then get to the, uh, the cherry on top with the, with the contents of paragraph seven. So paragraph okay. six states, the goal of truth requires faith. Faith is implicit in the acceptance of the Holy Spirit's purpose, and this faith is all-inclusive. Where the goal of truth is set, there faith must be. The Holy Spirit sees the situation as a whole. The goal establishes the fact that everyone involved in it will play his part in its accomplishment. This is inevitable. No one will fail in anything. This seems to ask for faith beyond you and beyond what you can give. Yet this is so only from the viewpoint of the ego, for the ego believes in, quote, solving conflict through fragmentation and does not perceive the situation as a whole. Therefore, it seeks to split off segments of the situation and deal with them separately, for it has faith in separation and not in wholeness. That seems pretty straightforward to me. <laughs> what do you think, Dr. Bob? Yeah, what I, what I want to emphasize is that, that idea, again, that the ego being born of separation can only work through separation. It, it's sort of that idea that ideas leave not their source, um, you know, we can't leave God because, you know, God is an idea that gave rise to us as an idea. Um, but, oh, and, and the idea that, you know, we're created in, in God's image, so to speak. Well, you know, we're not created in God's image. God has no image. God is a oneness. We're created from the stuff of God. But the ego, being born of separation, only knows separation. Uh, you know, it's like that old thing, you know, what is it to a hammer? Everything looks like a nail, you know. So the ego can only try to solve problems through fragmenting them, through breaking them off. Um, you know, uh, our last caller was just saying, you know, here's this situation. And if you just look at the situation in terms of I got enraged with my toddlers, well, that, that can't be solved within that that narrow interpretation. It, it required an opening from which another memory came in. And this is, you know, the Holy Spirit sees holistically, holographically, and where the goal of truth is set, their faith must be. In other words, when we align with that bigger goal and say, yeah, Holy Spirit, you take this one, you know, you know the big picture. I do not. I can't make a judgment. I'm not going to use the ego's fragmentation to solve this. Then, lo and behold, um, a solution you know, shows up, and it's usually not the solution that we think, uh, or the solution that our ego, you know, wanted. So I, I think, you know, this notion of faith—faith faith isn't like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, I, 
I believe, I believe, I believe, you know, I, uh, I, 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 you know, like, like crossing your fingers and whistling as you walk past the graveyard. It's the faith that when you align with the, with truth, with the only answer that can ever really be, then only that can come through. Um, mm. And, and how different that is from the ego's perspective. Mm-hmm. The whole, the whole experience is beautiful in that, even though it's unsettling, it's beautiful in that the truth was allowed to come of itself, like it says in paragraph 5. and also says if the situation is used for truth and sanity, its outcome must be peace. And now she has a semblance of peace yeah. because now she knows where it's coming from and what it's for. What that scene right. that she witnessed with her children, she now knows what it was for. And the outcome is now peace because there's understanding. I will add to that, however... Sometimes we don't get that clear understanding. Sometimes it, it's it's obscure and, and, and we can't see it. But, as I've always said, uh, understanding is not a prerequisite to acceptance. We can accept that we don't know where it comes from, and we can accept that we feel that way, and then we can also release it without uh, an explanation that's satisfying to the ego, you know? Yeah, you know. Uh, if Holy Spirit knows that you need an explanation or a memory or an insight, then that's what will come. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's a Absolutely. different way that would work better for you, then that's what will come. You, you will get what you need. That's that's guaranteed when you choose the right teacher uh, and listen to the right voice. Yes, Absolutely. Okay, last paragraph. All right, so paragraph seven, which uh, ends this section. Confronted with any aspect of the situation that seems to be difficult, the ego will attempt to take this aspect elsewhere and resolve it there. And it will seem to be successful, except that this attempt conflicts with unity and must obscure the goal of truth. And peace will not be experienced, except in fantasy. Truth has not come because faith has been denied, being withheld from where it rightfully belonged. Thus, do you lose the understanding of the situation the goal of truth would bring? For fantasy solutions bring but the illusion of experience, and the illusion of peace is not the condition in which truth can enter. I read that, and all I can see is Marissa sitting up all night, beating herself up and going into fantasy land, Mm. which I'm sure she's laughing right now. I should be this way or that way. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. But again, you know, if if I mean, I love this. The ego always plays a bait and switch game. It doesn't really want to solve any problems. It doesn't want truth. Remember, the ego's motto is seek but do not find. The ego loves the idea that we're searching as long as we never search where the answer is. Right. Um, you know, uh, and therefore it keeps us spinning and it keeps it it keeps justifying our need for it in our lives. Um, But, yeah, it gets, you know, if we do that, then truth can never enter, and any solution that we come upon is necessarily fantasy, fantasy in the sense that that it's an illusion, you know. It isn't a real solution. It isn't one that will be permanent because it isn't coming from the place of permanence, the uh, eternality of God and Holy Spirit coming from the ego. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I oh. don't have anything to add to that. You know, no, I'm, I'm I, looking I, at it and, and just, you know, how the mind, the ego will take the situation and try to fix it, make you think it's trying to fix it, but it's not. It's just chewing on it. 
So that should be pretty clear cut. Um, fantasy, fantasy solutions bring out the illusion of experience, and the illusion of peace is not the condition in which truth can enter. So the fantasy solutions um, make you make you believe what you're going through, and you can't yeah. see the truth and and is available for you to find in that. So that's yeah, I mean, that's all I have. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, fantasy doesn't solve it. Fantasy keeps us in the world of illusion. I mean, even within this world, you know, okay, I can fantasize that I'm a championship tennis player at Wimbledon, and I can probably even feel what that would be to smack that ball, and you know, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get out on a tennis court and play at that level, you know, not right. without a whole lot of practice. Uh, mm-hmm. And practice becomes the real experience, not the fantasy. You know, the ego wants to aggrandize itself and you know, solve problems in little tiny bits and fragments, as this says, because the ego is a little tiny bit and fragment. The ego can't see the big picture. The ego doesn't realize that your brother is part of you. So how can it solve any issue if it's seeing your brother as separate and distinct? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's just not possible. Um, I like how you say that the ego is a fragment. It it can't perceive the wholeness of the mind in which it resides. Exactly. The ego cannot know God. You know, right. I mean, that's just absolute. It's just absolute. Mm. So, I thoroughly uh, enjoyed this. The ego can't, but we can, we do, we are. <laughs> there you go. Okay, anything uh, you want to add before we go to the prayer? No, I'm I'm looking forward to doing this uh, next month. Uh, I think we'll put our heads together and come up with another section from uh, the text uh, or the workbook, perhaps, to take a look at. And I just want to thank uh, our, our, our questioners. Um, you Deep helped bring this to life. Yeah. Um, I also got an email from someone named Robin that I'd like to acknowledge because she didn't leave uh, a return email address, but she was yeah. saying, Shar, how much our sh- this show meant to her, how it's helped her to um, learn Course in Miracles, but she was too nervous to ask a question. I would say, Robin, that's fine. If it feels like it's going to create fear, then please don't do it. If at some point you're inspired to ask a question or even identify yourself, then that's just perfect too. But we really do appreciate the feedback. Um, remember, we're all on the same path. We're all in this together. And when you give us loving feedback, um, you're giving it to yourself, and you're also helping us know that, that our words and the love that we extend when we do this show is coming back to us as well. So I, mm-hmm. I, I thank uh, Robin, and I thank all of our listeners. Yes, absolutely. And I would like to point something out. I do, in, in, you know, in private when I'm, when I'm dealing with clients and, and potential students for the course or even current students of the course, um, I do recommend your book, and you did make me aware of this communication from Robin, and what happened was, you know, it's hard to get into sometimes A Course in Miracles, and, and I, can, I can feel varying degrees in people's energy fields of how, how receptive they're going to be to the concepts. Um, and if, if I feel that it's necessary, um, I recommend it anyway, but I would say to everybody who is either in the middle of reading the course and would like to just deepen their awareness of the the concepts and, and your understanding, read Dr. Bob's book, From Plagues to Miracles. Just go to fromplaguestomiracles.com. You can read excerpts there because yeah. I feel that it really is the perfect primer to, that gets you in the zone to actually understand the concepts. 
So then, and you can always listen to the show, and we'll, we'll have a great time breaking it all down. But before you get into A Course in Miracles, sometimes you kind of need this primer, and Dr. Bob's book does just that, because it really makes you see in, in the way it unfolds how, how the ego holds us captive and then how we hold on to it to maintain that level of insanity. It's a brilliantly, brilliantly written book. Get it? From Thank Plagues you. to Miracles. How's that, Bob? That's funny. I didn't write it as a primer to uh, A Course in Miracles, but I've gotten a lot of feedback exactly along the lines that, you know, that you're describing that, uh, that has mm-hmm. helped a lot of people, you know, get get into it and embrace it, and for that I'm grateful. I, yep. I will actually be writing um, a series of books that will be collectively an introduction to the course and its principles, and I'm going to try not to make them real dry. I'm going to try to, you know, uh, make them have some life and pizzazz, but but that's uh, that's an upcoming task, so uh, okay. stay tuned. <laughs> that sounds great. All right. Uh, I, just, I, thought, so, I thought to say something, but now I forget it. And I had a feeling this morning you'd be writing books. I don't know where you know what I was thinking about. Um, I don't know. I don't remember. Oh well. Okay. Well, if, if it's, it's important, we'll get to it again. Yeah. Um. Oh yes, I was going to say when when you first, when we first met, you wanted me to read the book and give you my spiritual critique, basically. Right. And in my testimonial for your for your book, the first sentence of that testimonial says, "If ever." There was a bridge between the Bible and A Course in Miracles. This is it. That's right. And, it, and that's you. what it, it, it acts like a bridge because it takes you from, you know, what we know, those of us who've, who've grown up with the Bible and its concepts, and then you you shift gears and jump into a, a boat like A Course in Miracles, and it's talking about <laughs> the ego. And, you know, sometimes we take it personally, and I know people who have slammed the book shut, threw it into a closet and locked it, done all sorts of uh, – abused that book in all all different manners. But – because the ego wants to take it personally. So to set yourself up energetically for that, read Dr. Bob's book, and then when you sit down with this, you don't take it so personally. You know you can look at yourself from outside and, and study more comfortably, emotionally, in more emotional comfort. That's what I wanted to say. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I am offering a free guided meditation, and this one, is the Holy Trinity guided meditation. It's another one that I developed, and I put together a meditation that helps you do uh, take the lesson for the day and drop it right into your subconscious mind. But this is after you do the lessons as instructed by Jesus in that lesson. So you don't want to cheat using this. I'm, I'm offering you this as support. So at night, do the lesson one more time if it's appropriate and drop it into the subconscious using this meditation. And if you would like to have a copy of that, go to the website, spiritualinsightsradio.com. Send me a testimonial, especially about today's show um, and about your experience with the show overall. And I would be happy to send that to you. Let me know that you are a student of the course. And I would look forward to hearing from you. All right. Well, Dr. Bob, I will be speaking to you in a month. And I'm going to get to this prayer, which is, of course, beautifully paired to the text that we just studied. Great. I'll look forward to next month. All right. Take care. And thank you again, everybody, Marissa and Deep. Okay. This is from, choose once again, Selections from A Course in Miracles, published by the Foundation for Inner Peace. And it appears on page 108. 
Christ's vision has one law. It does not look upon a body and mistake it for the Son whom God created. It beholds a light beyond the body, an idea beyond what can be touched, a purity undimmed by errors, pitiful mistakes, and fearful thoughts of guilt from dreams of sin. It sees no separation, and it looks on everyone, on every circumstance, all happenings and all events, without the slightest fading of the light it sees. This can be taught, and must be taught, by all who would achieve it. It requires but the recognition that the world cannot give anything that faintly can compare with this in value, nor set up a goal that does not merely disappear when this has been perceived. And this you give today. See no one as a body. Greet him as the Son of God he is, acknowledging that he is one with you in holiness. Amen. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.